Hi there, I'm Imlin Miles Manning, your host for the Minority Money Podcast. I'm glad you're here. You know why? Because this is the place where you can come for your weekly finance, family, and fitness motivation to not only experience the success in those areas yourself, but to help others in our community achieve greatness as well. I'm super happy to get on with the show, so let's get going. Welcome to the Minority Money Podcast. I'm your host, Emlyn Miles Mattingly, CEO and President of Gen Next Wealth, a financial planning and investment firm. Fee-only financial planning and investment firm. I don't know how I always forget to bring that part up, but I am a fee-only financial planner. So today, we are going to jump into talking to Frank Shields about student loans. Now, if you're like me and you've had to take student loans, student loans has always been a tough thing to deal with, right? Because you amass this debt and now it's like, okay, I'm going to school and I want to make sure I get higher education because that's what I've always been told to do. It feels right to do that. But at the end of that education, if you, know, if you didn't have the ability to pay for it on your own and you had to take out loans, then you have that having to pay them back and the uncertainty and anxiety and all that stuff that floods in and those feelings that you have from having to pay that large debt. Sometimes these loans are larger than some people's mortgage loans. And so today I wanted to bring Frank on, who is a certified student loan specialist, to talk a little bit about how he got into this specific niche, how he can help us, myself included, pay off our student loans in the most efficient way possible. So Frank, thanks for coming on to the show. Yeah, thanks, Emily, for having me, man. I really appreciate the opportunity to share my knowledge and expertise with your listeners. It was wonderful connecting with you at XYPN19. I'm glad we had the opportunity to meet and talk about each other's like background and, and how we launched our firms and our respective niches. So yeah, it was really nice connecting with you. Also, congratulations on an undefeated season as a so far as a 49ers fan. That's pretty fantastic as a side note. Um, yes. Uh, my Texans are doing okay, but they definitely, I think they, they lost last week, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but I think we're going to make the playoffs. So, yeah, I just want to congratulate you on being a, on an undefeated season as a 49ers mm-hmm. fan. So. Thank you. I appreciate that. As you mentioned, Frank and I met uh, in St. Louis a few weeks ago at XYPN, and we got to talk a little bit. And Frank let me know that he was from Houston. 713 in the house for all those people that are from Houston. So exactly. I just wanted to give a shout out to, uh, to Houston. But Frank, to get started, just, just give us a little bit of background on you. How did you get into this, this specific niche, uh, talking about student loans? And, and just give us, a, you know, t- tell the listeners a little bit about you. Yeah, sure. So my passion for personal finance began during my tenure with the Social Security Administration. So I worked for the Social Security Administration. For approximately four years, it was my first job out of college. And it was during that time that I really started to see how how personal finances or a lack thereof can either enhance or impede a, a person's ability to, to live their best life. You know, in the conversations that I had with my clients on a daily basis, you know, one hour I was working with an Exxon mobile executive that was filing for Social Security retirement benefits. And the next hour I was helping someone uh, file for supplemental security income, which is a, which is a needs-based program. I just begin to notice this huge wealth disparity and how individuals that had financial resources in conversation seemed to to live a better quality of life. And then those that had limited financial resources are struggling, unfortunately. And so that really, that experience really 
got me interested in personal finances and I started to seek out ways in which I could become a financial planner and help clients on a daily basis secure their financial future. While I was with the agency, you know, you're limited by the rules and the regulations of the federal government and um, it didn't allow for much room in terms of creativity and, and helping clients uh, plan for their financial future because by the time they came to me, you know, they were the follow for retirement benefits or some type of disability benefit. So I started doing some research and came across the, the certified financial planner professional designation and started to pursue it. Uh, my career kind of took a, a detour. I decided to pursue a graduate degree. So I have an MBA. And while I was in graduate school, I was recruited uh, to go work in the aerospace and defense industry as a senior financial analyst. But while I was there, I continued to do the things I needed to acquire the hours to be able to use the, the certified financial planner professional designation. And then fortunately, uh, I went through a reorg and while I was working in the aerospace and this defense industry, I got caught up in a, a reorganization and I had to move to Denver. And at the time I had a wife that was in a doctoral program, so I couldn't move to Denver. And so subsequently I got laid off and I took my severance package that they provided me and uh, started working on launching my own registered investment advisory firm. So officially in, on February 22nd, 2018, I launched uh, FutureMap Financial, which is a fee-only financial planning firm located here in Houston, Texas, but I serve clients both locally and across the country. And I specialize in helping student loan borrowers create and implement the optimal student loan repayment plan for their personal and financial circumstances. So that's a little bit about my career. It's been a long journey to get to this point, but definitely glad that I ultimately launched my own firm. And honestly, the student loan niche grew out of pure demand. When I first launched my firm back in February of last year, um, the majority of the prospects or prospective clients that I was meeting with had student loan debt, and I didn't have the advanced knowledge or the service model to serve them. So I decided to use the resources, to utilize the resources, the financial resources, and my time to acquire this advanced knowledge that I needed to serve these individuals. And from that grew my passion for student loan debt. And subsequently, I decided to make student loans uh, my firm's technical niche. So, nice. so now when we're talking about the student loans and you know, because like I said, this is a, a big source of anxiety. This is a big source of, uh, you know, people having to spend their disposable income to pay these loans back. Now, it, when we spoke, I think you mentioned that you had to pay your own student loans back. And so you had to go through this as well, right? Yeah, definitely. I, I you know, I had to borrow for school. My mom, she couldn't afford to pay for my college education, both undergrad and grad. So I borrowed for both. It was a challenge with my undergraduate degree. It took me a year to find a job. So during that time, you know, it was a stressful time. I didn't have much income. I was working part-time. And then, you know, my student loans, I had to start paying those back. And fortunately, when I started working for the Social Security Administration, I had the income to really put a dent in it. But then, you know, I decided to go back to graduate school and had to borrow for graduate school to, to obtain my MBA. So, you know, I'm, I'm just like everybody else. I'm no different than, than the 45 million student loan borrowers out there that had to take out uh, student loans to pay for their education. So, and I think that's important for people to know that you're not just going out and you know saying I want to help people with student loans and not having to deal with it yourself. I think when people realize that Frank had to go through this, uh, that Emlyn's going through this, my wife had student loans she had to pay off. You, you know, said your wife was in a doctoral program, and I'm, I'm guessing that she probably had to take some loans out too. Because I think sometimes when people are looking at a financial advisor or someone that's a financial professional of any sort, whether you know whatever you're doing, they always think that you've done everything the right way. And I'm not saying that taking loans is the wrong way, but I'm just saying that when people are going through 
that and they have to come to you and talk about their student loans, there is a level of comfort that comes from knowing that Frank had to do this too. Yeah, I agree. And I share my experience with my clients. Uh, I'm open about it. As you mentioned, my wife was in a doctoral program. Fortunately, we were able to pay for that out of pocket, but her undergrad and master's degree, she had to take out student loans. So we're no different than any other couple out there that had to borrow for their education and subsequently had to make some hard decisions in terms of prioritizing, you know, buying a home, paying off student loan debt, starting a family. So I think there's a level of approachability that I have and and I'm open about it. You know, I have nothing to hide. Although I am a financial planner and, you know, like you mentioned, we we go through the same some of the same things that our clients go through, and it's not we shouldn't be put on a pedestal. In other words, right? Absolutely, we're regular people too. We put our pants on the same way. We struggle with. Um, I, I mean, one of the things that I always like to say is people always talk about coming into sudden money, and this is just a side note. Like, Emlyn, what would you do? Oh, you probably just put everything away for retirement. I was like, no, I think about buying the car and balling out too. Don't get it wrong. Like, like let me let me just keep it real with you. Yeah. Um, you, Frank, and the listeners, like we. We still go through those things like, you know, man, I could go out there and, and go get this new car or get this big house or put some rims on it or do whatever it is. Like those are real struggles that financial planners have. Now, understand just because we have those struggles doesn't mean that we always make the best decision. So give us a little latitude on that. But I wanted to talk to you. Uh, the, the whole thing today is going to be about paying off student loan debt. And I had a few questions for you uh, that I wanted to talk to you about, Frank. But can you talk about the current state of student loan debt? You were talking about this a little bit. There's some statistics out there talking about, you know, how much the average person is borrowing. And and I know um, you'll you'll have some information on that. So can you jump into that a little bit? Yeah. So there are approximately currently there are approximately 45 million student loan borrowers um, that carry a student loan debt of approximately 1.5 trillion. So student loan debt is the highest consumer debt. I guess it's the second highest uh, only to mortgages. So mortgages, of course, are higher. So there's more student loan debt out there than credit card and auto loan debt, if you can believe that. Um, So the Center for Responsible Lending came out with some data some statistics. The report stated that 85% of Black bachelor degree holders carry student loan debt as compared to 69% of their white counterparts. So there's definitely a disparity in in terms of who's carrying student loan debt and who's not. And unfortunately, you know, like many other things in our society, you know, uh, African-Americans are disproportionately affected. So it's one thing to hear these numbers, Emblem, Mm -hmm. but it's another thing to see how this impacts people's lives in reality, right? In real time. So as, you know, as a uh, certified student loan professional in practice, I, I see firsthand how student loan borrowers are having to prioritize and make decisions whether, you know, to pursue their passion or pursue work that they're passionate about, say for a home, pay their student loan debt. And it's very difficult to make these type of decisions in a vacuum without looking at things in its totality, right? It's very difficult to isolate personal finances from, you know, your personal needs. And so looking at everything in those totality, and so for student loan borrowers, I often recommend that they seek out the professional help of of someone that will provide competent, objective student loan repayment advice, such as a certified financial planner professional, uh, preferably one that has a certified student loan professional designation, because they will have the advanced knowledge to help student loan borrowers create and implement the optimal student loan repayment strategy for their personal and financial circumstances. And so as I mentioned, you, you know, so the numbers are astounding, but numbers are just numbers. But in reality, I see firsthand how it impacts a person's ability to, to plan for their future. So 
and I wanted to jump in and just give some of the numbers that I, and I'm pulling this off of the future map financial uh, ebook that you have. And that's the student loan debt. Like when we look at someone that has their MBA, they're looking at about $42,000 of student loan debt. That's just for the MBA. If you have a master's in education, we're looking at about $50,000 there. If you have a law degree, these are averages now. We're looking at about $140,000. And if you own the medicine, we're looking at medicine and health science. We're looking at about $161,000 in student loan debt. And like I said, depending on where you're living at, these are large, large loan amounts that people have. And then as you shared, Frank, which I don't think is uncommon to Mo, I think this is very common, Correct. where someone goes to school for all this time, and then you get out of school, and then you can't even find a job in the field that you went to school for to be able to pay these loans back and the stress of dealing with all that. So I know this is something that is, it's a, it's a real issue here in the States uh, about how much school education costs. It's always told to us that we need to go, we need to go, we need to go, but then we get there and now we got these loans. And so when it's time to pay them back, you know, there's the income-driven repayment plan. What is that, Frank? What's the income-driven repayment plan? Okay, so the income-driven repayment plan, I like to think of it as a financial tool that student loan borrowers can use to pay back their student loans. One of the many uh, repayment plans that are available to borrowers that have federal student loans. I guess in a sense, it was designed to make the repayment process easier. Uh, What it does is it's based on your monthly payment on the income-driven repayment plan. It's based on your income, your family size, the type of federal student loan debt you carry, and the loan distribution dates. Those are the four criteria that you have to look at to determine your income-driven repayment plan eligibility. There are five different income-driven repayment plans to choose from, but your income-driven repayment plan is based on your monthly amount or your monthly repayment amount under the income-driven repayment plan is based on a percentage of your discretionary income. So there's a formula um, that's used to figure out uh, what your monthly payment amount would be under these particular plans. But in a nutshell, they're designed to make repaying your student loans back uh, a little easier, a little less burdensome, I should say. So as a general rule, if a person is having a difficult time repaying their student loans under their current repayment plan, if they work for a qualified employer that qualifies for public service loan forgiveness, if their annual income is twice, I'm sorry, if, if their student loan debt, I should say, is twice their annual income. These are some things that are kind of a red flag for me as a certified student loan professional that I look at and to determine whether or not an income-driven repayment plan is, is a good fit for a student loan borrower. So in a nutshell, if a student loan borrower is having a difficult time repaying their student loans under their, their current repayment plan, they work for a qualifying employer that qualifies for public service loan forgiveness, their student loan balance is twice their annual income. These are some of the red flags that will indicate that it's the income-driven repayment plan may be a good option for a student loan borrower. Okay. So what I wanted to say is if someone makes household incomes 100000 they have a $50,000 loan, income-driven repayment plan is still something that they can look into, correct? That's correct. Okay. And I want to say this to the people that have student loans, myself included, is I know it's scary. I know that you have this large debt and it's probably the largest debt that you have outside of your mortgage. But I want to tell you, do not hide from the student loan. I think this is something that you have to, you know, if you call the federal student loan services, you can call them and they will go through this with you if you don't have a financial advisor that you're working with. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to give you the greatest information unless you have you have a specialist like like Frank working with you, but at least make sure you call. 
Don't let these loans go in default. Don't let these loans go in default. I can't say that enough. Just make sure that you at least call for this and then they will walk through some of these things with you if you do not have a financial advisor or you could just look for someone like Frank or myself and we can walk you through this. But I want to make sure that not paying these student loans is not an option for you because they're not going anywhere. Emily, you bring up a good point. You know, someone is really struggling to pay back their student loans rather than go into deferment or forbearance. I would recommend that they do consider an income driven repayment plan because some of the income driven repayment plans do offer an interest subsidy. And there's a lot of information that, or that may be a little too going into the details of that, maybe for we may hold that for another conversation. But I do want to hear that interest subsidy just a little bit. When you say that subsidy, that means that they don't charge you the interest or they give you something for the interest just to touch on it a little bit. Don't get too deep into it, but just to touch on it. So is that the interest subsidy? So, you know, I'm not making enough money to pay all this stuff back. You're saying rather than defer your loan for a later payment date, you're saying at least try to get an income driven repayment plan. Correct. Why are you saying that instead of deferring the loan? Why should we pay something instead of paying nothing? Okay. So the income driven repayment plan, some of the income driven repayment plans offer interest subsidy and I'll explain that how that works. So for example, if you have subsidized loans, okay, um, a few of the income driven repayment plans offer to repay the interest on your subsidized loans for the first three years that you're enrolled in the income-driven repayment plan. Um, Revised payee, for example, which is one of the income-driven repayment plans, it will waive the interest for the first three years that you're enrolled in the income-driven repayment plan for your subsidized loans, and it will waive half of all the unpaid interest for all your loans for the life of of your loans. So the interest subsidies definitely helps in terms of, of minimizing the amount of interest that accumulates. So when you go into forbearance, after the forbearance period, all the interest that accumulated during that time is capitalized or added to the principal uh, balance of the loan. And that's not necessarily the case with income driven repayment plans. So that's why I say that it's important if a person is is having a difficult time repaying back their student loans, um, that they do consider an income driven repayment plan. Or at least talk to a professional that helped them to to make that decision, whether or not it's, it's beneficial for them to enroll in an income driven repayment plan. So how can an IDR help you accelerate your other financial goals? Okay, so it's based on, so your your monthly repayment amount is based on your taxable income if you're looking at your pay stub or your adjusted gross income if you're looking at it. And this is where I want, because I know this story. I know my listeners love stories because they told me this before. (laughs) I want you to tell your story about how this helped you with your financial goals. Okay. How enrolling in the income-driven repayment plan? Yep. The way the monthly payment works is that it's based on your discretionary income. So there's a formula that the government used to calculate your monthly payment under each of the respective income-driven repayment plans. And so one of the ways that you can utilize an income-driven repayment plan to accomplish other goals is, for example, if you contribute to a 401k on the pre-tax basis. So not only are you saving for retirement, but making a pre-tax contribution to your 401k subsequently lowers your taxable income, which subsequently lowers your monthly repayment amount under the income-driven repayment plan. So essentially, you're accomplishing two goals simultaneously. You're saving for retirement and you're meeting your repayment obligations under the income-driven repayment plan. And so I like to say we can't borrow for retirement. We can borrow for our education, but we can't borrow for retirement. So although you have the student loan debt, it's important to start saving for retirement, um, especially if your employer offers a some type of employer mm-hmm. a contribution match that you can take advantage of. And so this is how I was able to, to utilize the Income Driven Repayment Plan or IDR to, to save for my retirement and meet my student loan repayment obligations. 
Now, it's important to note that at the end of the repayment period, which could be 20 or 25 years, the amount that's forgiven is taxable income in the year that it's forgiven. Unless you work for a qualifying employer, in that case, the amount that's forgiven after you make the 125, 120, I should say, qualifying payments is forgiven tax-free. So we can talk a little bit about public service loan forgiveness. That's what I'm referring to. But in a nutshell, um, income-driven repayment plans, you know, you can you can adjust your income to where you could minimize or, or lower your monthly student loan repayment amount and also simultaneously uh, save for, for other goals that you want to accomplish. So I know that when we talked, you talked about you know, making the best decision for your own in particular situation. You know, you shared a little bit of your story with me and I appreciated that. On the public student loan forgiveness, now this one for me has always been an interesting subject, right? Because people talk about the ability to have these loans forgiven based on where your employer is at and or based on who you're working for. Like if you're a governmental employee, then they have some stuff that you can do. Or if you're working as a, as a teacher, I believe there was some loan forgiveness. I know people that are in education. Uh, One of my friends, they were over at the house the other night and we were talking about their student loans. Uh, We were talking about that and she is an educator and she's talking about paying back her student loans. And I was like, wait, I think there's something about it. And I think that people may know about this stuff, but if you can clear up some of the misconceptions or just give us some, some real good information about the public service student loan forgiveness, because it sounds like a good thing, but is it really real? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so this is the, this is something that's been in the news quite a bit. So I think September of last year, the U.S. Department of Education came out with some data that stated that 99.5% of individuals that apply for public service loan forgiveness were denied. When you take a deeper look at the numbers, I think the reason why a lot of individuals were denied is because they just didn't meet the criteria. And, and it may have been no fault of their own, but they may have received some incorrect information from their loan servicer, who knows. But basically, there are four criteria that student loan borrowers have to meet in order to be eligible for public service loan forgiveness. One, their loans must be direct loans. So if they have Perkins loans or fail loans, they have to consolidate those loans in order to make them eligible for public service loan forgiveness. So all loans that are eligible for public service loan forgiveness must be direct loans. The second criteria is that they must enroll in one of the income-driven repayment plans or IDR plans that we've been discussing. Okay, so they must elect to enroll in one of the five um, IDR options that that are available. The other criteria is that they must work full-time for a qualifying employer. So this can be a as you mentioned earlier, a government entity or some type of non-profit tax-exempt 501c3 entity. There's some other non-tax-exempt, not-for-profit entities that do not meet the 501c3 criteria that still may be eligible uh, for public service loan forgiveness. And then they also have to make 120 qualifying payments. And these payments don't have to be consecutive, but if they are consecutive, you're talking about 10 years of of payments under the income-driven repayment plan. And then I guess the last thing is that at the time that they apply for public service loan forgiveness, and at the time that they apply for public service loan forgiveness, and at the time the loans are actually forgiven, they must be working full-time for a qualifying employer. So if they submit the application and they go get another job and they're not working for a qualifying employer, that doesn't meet the criteria. They must be working for the qualifying employer at the time the loans are actually forgiven. And as I mentioned earlier, the remaining balance is forgiven tax-free. 
So those are the criteria that individuals have to follow. And it's important that student loan borrowers make copies and save all the documents that they submit to the loan servicer. So one of the things that I recommend student loan borrowers do is they complete the public service loan forgiveness uh, employment certification form. They have their HR representative completed and they submit it annually to their student loan service, which is Fed Loan Servicing for Public Service Loan Forgiveness. They do that annually. And then they keep track of themselves of the payments that they've made towards public service loan forgiveness. So it is a real thing. It's the criteria that's established. It's pretty straightforward, but I don't think it's been communicated very well to student loan borrowers. And that's where the disconnect lies. So with that, like we got all these different options for student loan repayments. We got all these different IDRs. There's five different things that you can do. The income-based repayment plan, the the new income-based repayment plan, the pay-as-you-earn, and then the revised pay-as-you-earn. And we, we have all these different things. So when someone's going through with all these questions that people can have, how does someone make sense of all this? Where can someone find the advice that they need to make the best decision on which loan is right for them? Yeah, so that's a great question. You know, honestly, it's it's navigating the student loan repayment options is, is complex and confusing. I would just put that out there. Before I started studying this stuff, and even when I was going through the coursework to obtain the certified student loan professional designation, um, I had to go back and restudy certain modules because uh, it was just that com- complex and confusing. So my my advice is to seek out professional help from someone that provides objective, competent student loan repayment advice, such as a certified financial planner professional, and preferably one that has a certified student loan professional, because they will have the advanced knowledge and expertise to help student loan borrowers select the optimal repayment strategy for their needs. All the information is out there and student loan borrowers can do it themselves. But as I mentioned earlier, it's very difficult to make these repayment type decisions in a vacuum without looking at other aspects of a person's personal finances. So absolutely. So so seek professional help, ask questions. You know, if you're working with a financial advisor, a fee only financial advisor, you know that they will give you advice. So I think that that is something that people definitely need to seek out. It is a very scary thing to deal with uh, when it comes to the student loan payments. And I think that ultimately most people that are listening to this are people that want to get ahead. And there may be someone else out there that's thinking about you know, maybe going back to school. I was actually talking to uh, the people at Kansas State University just the other day about getting my doctorate in financial planning. And the first thing I thought about is like, man, okay, I'm going to have to get this loan and I'm going to have to, you know, figure out how I'm going to pay this back on top of the other loan that I have. When I look at it this way, I always think of it like this. One, uh, it's, it's your education. People can't take that from you. Now, I know that you don't necessarily need to have the formalized education uh, we a lot of my guests that have come on have talked about you know not needing that. Uh, however, if you want to get that, I look at it this way: if it's going to cost you forty, fifty thousand dollars to get a graduate degree, most people are spending that same amount of money on a new car, and that new car is going to last five, you know, maybe ten years if you take care of it well, and then it's over. The long-lasting effects that you get from the degree that you obtain is much more important than than the flashy new things. Today's topic, like I said, is paying off those student loans. And as we all know, the listeners uh, know, this is the Minority Money Podcast where we're trying to change the complexion of wealth, right? So as we're trying to change that, I want to talk to Frank about what motivates and inspires you to learn and to grow, Frank. What's your motivation? 
So that's a good question. So my motivation primarily is the opportunity to help my clients um, secure their financial future. That's my primary motivation. Um, And I do that by delivering objective, competent financial advice that my clients can take in and implement to live their best life. That's my motivation. That was the whole point of me starting Future Math Financial versus going to work for another firm. I thought that by starting my own firm that I could deliver the type of advice that I want to to deliver to my clients objectively. And so in practice, Emlyn, you know, everything that I implement, whether it's technology, processes, I start with the desired outcome in mind and the desired outcome in my mind, how is this going to impact my clients, right? What, what experience is this going to provide for my clients? And so that's my motivation day in and day out. So yeah, I, I think my clients are well served in terms of me being independent, <laughs> As you know, because you you own a fee-only financial planning firm, also, and just the freedom to to deliver objective, competent advice without any conflicts of interest, basically. So, so with that being said, do you think education plays a big part in wealth building? Absolutely. Whether it's formal or in, informal education, you know, formal education being you know acquiring some type of designation or certification or degree that's going to help you, you know provide for your family or informal education like this podcast and listening to other podcasts or reading personal finance blog. You know, I write a financial blog called Frankly Speaking um, that your listeners can can access via futuremapfinancial.com. And I try to provide actionable, timely tips that individuals can use to better manage their personal finances. So yeah, education is, is key to, to building wealth. Definitely. Awesome. If you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice, what, what would that one piece of advice be? The one piece of advice, especially for student loan borrowers, is don't let student loans stop you from living your best life. You know, seek out professional help and create a plan that gives you the best opportunity to accomplish your financial goals and then live your life. You borrowed money to, to finance your education that's in the past. And so student loans should not hinder you from pursuing your passion, from uh, accomplishing your financial goals and objectives, and from living your best life. So I say create a plan and then live your life. Absolutely. I love it, Frank. I love it. Um, especially living your best life, right? right? Like you, when people go out to get these student loans, mm-hmm. they do that to better themselves. Exactly. So continue to let that happen, right? That's what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. If you want to pursue something that you're passionate about, create a plan to where that your monthly payments are affordable and you can go off and pursue your passion. You know, you and I, we both started businesses, right? We didn't mm-hmm. allow student loans to hinder us from pursuing our passion uh, to help other people secure their financial futures. Uh, it didn't hinder our passion for, you know, controlling our own destiny as in, in terms of being entrepreneurs. So, you know, uh, for student loan borrowers out there, don't, don't be afraid of it. You know, seek out professional advice, competent, objective professional advice. Get the help you need. Um, create the plan that, that's best uh, suited for, for your personal and financial circumstances and then live your life. Nice. So, Frank, if people want to get more of Frank Shields and, and frankly speaking, <laughs> no pun intended, no pun intended. <laughs> if they want to get some more of Frank, where, where can our listeners find you at? Yeah. So. Um, FutureMapFinancial.com. When your listeners go to the website, they wait five seconds. There's a little pop-up that'll appear in the bottom right-hand corner, and they can download my professional's guide to paying off student loan ebook. It's a free resource. 
Um, Emily and I and I have been talking about income-driven repayment plans. Well, that particular ebook is all about income-driven repayment plans. So I think that's a fantastic resource for the listeners to access. Um, also, at futuremapfinancial.com, there's a link at the very top. It's called Frankly Speaking, and that's my personal finance blog. So readers can read about student loans and other personal finance-related topics. Also, they can um, follow me at uh, Future Financial on Facebook, on Instagram, and also on LinkedIn. They can connect with me at uh, LinkedIn slash Frank-Shields. So there you go. Awesome, Frank. I thank you for your time. I thank you for coming on the show and sharing your knowledge and your expertise. I want to uh, personally uh, thank you for some of the information that you've given me for uh, paying my student loans back. So I, I think uh, I'm going to make some adjustments to what I'm doing. And, and thank you for that. Our listeners, if you haven't had a chance, I would recommend that you check out some of the stuff that he was talking about. Also, if you haven't had a chance to give us a rating on iTunes yet, please, we appreciate all of your feedback, whether it's good or whether it's for us to improve on something. So this is the Minority Money Podcast. I'm your host, Emlyn Miles Mattingly, where we are changing the complexion of wealth. Another great showdown, but it doesn't have to stop there. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast in whatever podcast app you're listening to on now and give it a good rating, would you? If you feel really connected to the podcast, which I hope you do, find our Facebook community, Minority Money VIP, to support and to be supported by others just like you. And again, we're super happy to have you. While this podcast is meant to inspire and motivate you to live your best life, it cannot be completely your one-stop shop. I know, I know, that really sucks. But guess what? If you have any questions, or maybe you just like to chat, please reach out to me directly at emlin at minoritymoney.com so that we can get to know each other there. Thanks for being here, and we're signing off.